What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 34 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and won an absolutely unbelievable weekend we had last weekend at Saratoga. A lot of ups and unfortunately some downs, which we will touch on a little bit in this show, but mostly in tomorrow's show that is taking place of Betting and Boozing on Wednesdays as I am actually going on back-to-back vacation, got family vacation um, that my parent, that my parents and brother and everyone have already been on since last Saturday. So I got to go join up with them tomorrow. So Betting and Boozing on a special day here on Tuesday, but it doesn't stop. And tomorrow, uh, Howard, Pete, Paul, myself, I might be joining. It depends on what time I get there. But um, recapping all the all of the events that happened this past weekend at Saratoga, including a lot of highs and then, like I said, unfortunately, some lows as well. But guys, thanks so much for everyone joining in. It's going to be a great show this weekend as we touch on the late pick five again on at on at Saratoga on Friday. So everyone, thanks again so much for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. Like I stated before, tomorrow there will be a show at 8 p.m. Eastern talking all about the uh, last weekend at Saratoga, all the stories, all the um, all the big bets, all the win bets, all the lost bets. And like I said, unfortunately, all everything that happened with the track, we will be talking about tomorrow. Again, that's at 8 p.m. Eastern. And on Thursday, the flagship show goes on as normal, 8 p.m. Eastern as well, talking about uh, the late pick five at Colonial Downs on Saturday, capping the, uh, I don't want to say it, Arlington Million Day at Colonial Downs on Saturday. So, guys, it's going to be a great weekend, a great week of shows for the podcast. So, please, if you're if you're new here, find yourself coming back and you aren't subscribed, you should. You're already coming back anyway. Please go below the video player, hit the big red subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it as, as it really helps out the channel. And while you're there, hit the like button. That'll send out this podcast to many other viewers of youtube and hopefully continue to grow this podcast as it has done so greatly in the past few months so that we can only thank you guys for greatly greatly appreciate it um if like i said um smash that like button smash that notification bell as well as all these shows keep popping up and some change dates unfortunately due to prior commitments you will never miss out a show so do that as well. If you're more of an audio listener, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor is where we post not only every episode of Betting and Boozing, but every single episode that goes up on the HHH Racing Podcast channel. Again, those are our three main audio platforms. If you're more of an audio listener on your way to work or while you're at the gym or anything like that, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Guys, for the normal power picks, they have been lights out again. Three more winners this week. If you aren't subscribed yet, you're really missing out. $15.99 build monthly. It comes out to only $4 a week, and you get full grids, uh, price plays for the weekend. And again, at two tracks for only $4 a weekend with a over 2.34 ROI. Uh, all the way back to when we started this two and a half years ago, we have a very positive ROI. If you, Like I said, if you aren't subscribed, you're missing out. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. And our Saratoga-only power picks are live until Thursday morning. Go to HHHRacingPodcast.com to get signed up for those. At the top, you'll see a tab called Power Picks Tip Sheet. And you'll click on that, and you'll see the subscribers. If you're already a subscriber to the normal power picks, you get a discount as well. It is $19.99 for the weekend for non-power pick subscribers, and for current ones, it is only $14.99. So I would highly suggest 
getting on that. You'll get Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays card. All grids, all spot plays, everything you need. HHHRacingPodcast.com. But guys, we're going to get into it pretty quickly here. I'm going to bring up my co-host for the night. As Patrick has prior commitments, even though, again, the guy that went to Saratoga is not going to be on with me. But, if but of course, I have my two other great uh, co-hosts to help me dive deep into this late pick five at Saratoga from Chicago, Illinois, Charlie Freeman, and from the West Coast of California, Noah Maher. Boys, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? How much? How are you guys doing? And uh, Noah, in case you were wondering, our one to nine of Charlie being in bed for this podcast has hit. So your bridge jumping play does work out in the end. We were just we were just joking around before. Yeah, I'm already play. up for the weekend. I don't even need to play this card. Exactly. I mean, what's the point? If you take your winnings and run. But uh, going through the chat real quick, guys, and we'll get started. Trish Smith again. Can't wait to hear all about Saratoga. I already responded to you, but I'll bring you up here. Uh, like I said, what tonight and tomorrow we'll talk all about it. So there will be plenty enough. Plenty of information to go around. Richard Avalar's here. Going great, Richard. Thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Tony Osman. I don't think I've seen your name before on Ben and Boozen. Thanks so much, Tony, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Um, Richard, we were going to do a podcast on Whitney Day. Unfortunately, where we were, which is outside, we were literally right on the first turn. The Wi-Fi was a little rough um, out there, so we couldn't get a stable connection. So, unfortunately, that negated our plans to do a podcast live from saratoga but like i said you'll get all the stories and all the great uh and all the great bets betting stories tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern unfortunately sorry about that sorry to everyone out there for not being able to do that podcast on saturday jim Pilars, thanks so much for joining the show man greatly appreciate racing down wins in the house greatly appreciate it but uh charles b is here thanks so much for joining the show rob n is here thanks so much and everyone else guys just um greatly appreciate everyone joining the show as we do have a big um we have a big god audience already geez my add is destroying me right now for some reason but we'll hopefully try and dumb it down as we get into the races but i want to give a big shout out to all the saratoga guys uh howard matt drew nancy philly joe uh travis stone and everyone else uh brad anderson can't forget brad and everyone else that we saw nick feldman we saw um, Derek Poye, give a big shout out to you guys. Thanks so much for meeting up with us and all that. Uh, thanks so much. And for, uh, for all the boys, they know the big wave. I had to bring out the big wave as that's basically all we drank in the gazebo this weekend. So cheers to everyone out there as we get into, uh, this late pick five at Saratoga guys. It's a very good sequence that starts with a two-year-old New York sprint on the dirt. And then we go into a little bit of deja vu as the hall of fame, after it was canceled last Friday, um, after they got a lot of rain. And thank God they got in the Saratoga Oaks before that because that ended up being my my best pick of the entire weekend it ended up running and winning going away. Seven to two morning line all the way down to six to five, naturally. But it's just um it's a great card. We have two stake, two actually three listed stakes. You have the Union Ave earlier in the sequence that we won't be talking about. I can go over it briefly, but then uh, two really hard claiming races at the end. This is a really tough sequence, and it really opens up many different avenues that you can go uh, this weekend. But, guys, without further ado, we are going to get into it. It is the pit, late pick five starts in race number seven. Like I said, it's made in special weight. 
going six furlongs on the dirt for New York breads. It draws a full field of 10 with six also eligibles on the list. As I go and bring it up right now, you'll see this massive list of horses that draw into this race. Again, it's 10 horses and then six also eligibles. The morning line favorite will most likely be the number 10 on the outside uh, Vetriano, I believe is how you say that, for Pratt and Chad. And obviously you won't see um, Irad as he was injured last weekend uh, on Sunday in a turf race and will not and will be off his mounts, I believe, for this weekend, if not more. So you'll see a lot of Pratt riding for Chad and a lot of shakeup otherwise. But bringing up the picks right now, guys, for race number seven, two of us are going with the number 10. Vetriano on the outside. Noah is the odd man out, although Charlie and I both have the horse in second. The number six trust fund for Saez and Pletcher. And as I bring it up right now, Noah, what did you like most about trust fund? Yeah, with trust fund, um, this Colt seems like uh, he could be a really nice Colt for Eclipse Thoroughbreds and Mike Rapoli. Um, out of Practical Joke, uh, out of an Uncle Mo Mayer. Uh, based off the breeding, I think six furlongs is probably going to be pretty ideal the horse to win uh, at first asking um and then with the works uh the two gate drills at the end kind of kind of stood out to me the most um and then obviously size you know he's going to be aggressive out of the gate so i feel like if this horse has any speed at all size is going to help that yeah which is another thing what i noticed charlie we'll go to you and i'll let you talk about the 10 as well uh trust fund the last two breezing out of the gate were both in 48 flat pletcher really has this uh horse ready to go practical jokes are great sprinting Two-year-olds, uh, he's um, a two-year-old first-time starter. Just fact, practical joke was nineteen percent. I mean, that's amazing for a sire, especially with the amount of uh, progeny he has. So, trust fund is definitely interesting. Charlie, is that where you kind of went, or did you uh, kind of go other ways with the, but still like trust fund? No, I still think trust fund will be very dangerous. Obviously, anytime you see a Todd Pletcher trained horse for a first-time starter, one you have to be paying close attention to. As Noah mentioned, something that stood out to me was the workouts, just working very forwardly without having to work too hard, but putting up very impressive numbers nonetheless. And then again, just as you touched on, Louis size, one of the best in the business, very good at being aggressive and kind of wherever the trainer wants this horse to be, he's very good at executing that. If he needs to pull back, he will, but anytime he needs to send, you know he'll be able to do so. He's one of the most aggressive, also being fair and talented jockeys there is. Uh, and as much as I do think the horse is in with a shot, I personally think the outside horse is just going to be pretty much unbeatable in this field um i understand that these are first time starters uh but obviously this very expensive horse chad brown has this horse and chad brown you know is not someone who's necessarily known for like you know like my guy wesley ward he's not necessarily known for someone who tends to work up his horses where they have to have crazy times he kind of just works them breezing so to see this horse having two straight workouts um of 47 and three, 47 and four. Before that, a 48 and two. This horse is just working very forwardly. Flavian Pratt, another one who's one of the best in the business. Another one similar to Luis Saez at great execution of putting where the horse needs to be. And I just think that Triano, and I think that's how you say it, is just going to be very tough to beat in this spot. Yeah, and obviously the best thing about having these races first in the pick five is watch the board, watch where the money goes, people, because that is what's going to be the telltale sign, i.e. the Chad Brown that ran, I believe, on Sunday um, and just ways and means, I believe, is the name of the horse. Just absolutely blew the doors off that field, and they were betting him down from a morning line of, I think, three to one and just betting him all the way down to six to five and winning by 10. That's definitely a horse to put in your stable and keep 
in mind, but this is definitely going to be a board watcher for me because the only thing that concerns me about Vetriano, I mean, 47 and three breezing from the gate is a absolute massive workout. But the only thing is Liam's map um, is not too good with his two-year-old first-time starters. He's only 6% off of the first-time starters at two. So that's going to be one thing to look out for. But this horse was working amazing. Chad Brown hasn't pointed to this spot. And definitely, I mean, the horse sold for three hundred fifty grand. This horse is definitely well-meant for Chad and Carol Radcliffe. So Vetriano is my top pick as well. And we are going... Um, with completely different horses in the third spot. And one one I want one comment I wanted to bring up real quick is from the boss, Howard. He says, he could be wrong, but a few jocks are suspended from Wednesday to far, Friday, which would include Irad, which would make sense why he is off his mounts for Friday. I I believe that I thought I thought it was for the injury, but that definitely makes more sense. Um, thanks so much, Howard, again, for commenting that. I appreciate it. So, the uh, Charlie, I'll let you finish up here. Uh, Kanish Talon or something. <laughs> These horse names just get more ridiculous. But for Engelhart and Rosario, you have this horse in third. Yeah, I was really just to me, and it seems like we're all kind of in agreement that at least on paper, it looks like the six and the ton are the main two threats. So I was just kind of looking for something else to just kind of stick out to me as a horse that's been working well that I would have a chance. And I, I'm just going to call this horse, kind of referencing another horse I love, like Mr. C. Uh, we're just going to call this one Mr. C for now. But, you know, this horse has worked very well. Again, 36-4, and 47-3. Gets Joel Rosario, uh, who, again, I know we like to make jokes, but still in his own right is still a very solid jockey uh, in New York. Uh, and so, yeah, I just thought, again, you're just kind of looking for some other horse to be on, put under. I feel like this one you can get more of a reasonable price. So I certainly think this is one that could, at least from the works, hit the board. Yeah, I mean, the horse is definitely working. Englehart has this horse well meant for this race, so – um, the only thing, Leo Frick uh, is 0 for 5 with his total progeny so far. He can go up here. Uh, four two-year-old first-time starters in the first crop, and none of them have necessarily done any running. So that's, I guess, one thing to be concerned about. But this horse is working great at Saratoga, even out of the gate as well. So Kanish alone is definitely one to keep in mind. Noah, you have the number four just underneath is Perliano for Atris and Lascano in third. Yeah, Perliano was one of two horses with experience. Um, he started on turf, but I'm not really convinced that that's necessarily his gig. Um, he did a nice nice job finishing uh, behind two solid horses, and the second-place uh, finisher came back to win. Um, but I think he's kind of up against it with these uh, Pletcher and Brown first-timers. Yeah, the only thing that – I mean, this horse was put on the turf at Belmont, and now I'm assuming since he's working well in the dirt, Atchison is going to try him over. It just kind of seems like, oh, well, the turf didn't work out. Let's move him to the dirt type of thing for me. Going a little bit longer should help this horse a little bit. But wasn't bet first time out. Uh, Rosario chooses off to the four – or to the three, excuse me. So I had a few – I had a lot of question marks with Perliano, but the experience definitely always helps – in a field like this, I went with the number eight Catalina crush for Norm Cassie and Ricardo Santana. This horse has been working decent, but Kai Bosch realistically was a great horse in her own right. Has two at three starts at two years old for her progeny and are two for three in the money. And Catalina cruiser is uh, two for 13, two year old first time starters, but a five for 13 in the money. So just playing kind of the odds games here with the pre uh, pedigree, Horses working well enough 
for uh, Norm Cassie. Sorry, I pointed at the wrong horse there, but the horse is working well enough for Norm Cassie. Ships up to Saratoga, has a work over the over the dirt. So I think Catalina Cruiser could be really interesting, especially underneath. But they're like like I said earlier, watch the board in these types of races, especially since it's the start of the early of the first race. It's the start of the late pick five. So we have the ability to watch the board and go where the money goes. I'm going 10, 6, 8. Charlie's going 10, 6, 3. And Noah's going 6, 10, 4. Guys, we're going to switch over to race number eight as the second leg of the late pick five. And for those of you that watched Betting and Boozing last weekend, uh, it, it's a little bit of deja vu for everybody out there because this is the grade two Hall of Fame stakes. This was canceled last Friday uh, due to lightning and rain concerns with that turf course. And again, we're handicapping these. I know they're off the turf on Wednesday and most likely Thursday as well. Um, we're handicapping these races for the turf. If they get pulled off, please follow uh, all of us on Twitter as we post our updated picks on Twitter for anything, any surface changes, any jockey, anything like that, any changes will be posted on Twitter. So please follow us. They are all in our name tags. Noah's is just under his name tag. But the grade two Hall of Fame stakes going a mile on the inner turf course for 500,000, a field of nine. The only horse we are missing from last weekend is Nagarok, who scratched from this race anyway last weekend and then actually scratched from a race on Saturday. So Nagarok won't be running at Saratoga most likely anymore this summer. But the field of nine, um, this is a big thing to talk about because this race got all the way down to post time to the scheduled post time, and then they canceled it for rain. But uh, more than looks was the favorite going into the race. He was down to two to one. Carl Spackler was down to four at four slash nine to two, somewhere in that range. The Euro Ocean Vision for Tim Donworth was down to eight to one. And then all the other ones were anywhere from that nine to 20 to one range. So more than looks will most likely be the morning line favorite, as we saw all the action that this horse took last weekend. But Carl Spackler is not going to be is not going to be too far behind in the betting. As I bring up our picks, you'll see two of us are going with the number two, Carl Spackler for Gaffleone and Brown. Charlie is going the other way with the presumed post-time favorite in more than looks with John Velasquez and Cherie DeVoe. Charlie, I'll let you go first. We won't spend too much time on this race as we basically are handicapping the same race two weeks in a row. But um, please talk about uh, what you saw in more than looks. Yeah, so I know I wasn't on last week's episode, so now I get my sort of redemption to cover. That is true. Races. That is true. Uh, so, yeah, for more than looks, kind of what you guys have touched on last week, I know the trip was ideal as a closer with a hot pace, but I still thought this horse just looked tremendous. I rewatched, I watched the replay. It was just still a great effort. Didn't get off too well and was still able to make the great recovery. Gets John Velasquez again. Um, again, yeah, as you mentioned, the horse was taking the money as it deserved to and will likely go off. Uh, as the favorite or near the favorite, Carl Speckler, and I do believe these are the two best horses. I think Carl Speckler could take more money than last time, uh, simply because of the gate change being beneficial, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, these were the two that stood out very well. Uh, I know all of us were very high on Carl Speckler last time out, but just and ended up going off as the favorite, which I don't think we initially had anticipated with horses like Farbridge and Major Dude, but just did not get a good trip at all. I still believe in Carl Speckler from when we were all over this horse at Gulfstream when we covered uh carl specker on the show and he ended up dominating by what was it like seven eight lengths i swear the horse was like off the screen yep. uh, so i do think carl speckler will still be very tough but i just think if more than looks gets the right trip 
should win this race, but I think it's going to be interesting because Carl Specker will be right towards the front and more than looks will be sitting where. And his internet's dead. Unlucky. But um, either way, I wanted to point out as well, Charlie was not on the show last weekend, but as Howard points out, he gave out a very good uh, pick on the Saratoga Power Picks uh, last week with a win bet and an exacta that paid exacta that paid 180 for three bucks, which is what he had, and then uh, $68 to win So on a $20 win bet. So congrats to anyone that cashed on that. But Howard also says, when we were in the paddock there, he's Charlie's back. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but he said more than looks was exactly that in the paddock. He looked the best was ready to run in the paddock. And Howard also likes behind enemy lines is the price play in this race. who is about eight to one towards the post time. Uh, no, I can let you talk about Carlos Spackler and anything you saw in more than looks as well. He looks great, but he's definitely going to have to replicate that. He's most likely going to have to replicate that last race. If he wants any piece of this. Yeah. Uh, Charlie touched on a lot about Carl Spackler uh, was a favorite against tough field in the American turf. Uh, he has been working like a monster on that Saratoga turf. Um, and like uh, Charlie was saying, you, I just feel like you have to expect something similar to those races down in South Florida. Yeah, I mean, the American turf was an extremely tough race. I mean, we we covered over it last week. Web Slinger, Major Dude, Far Bridge, Mostache, Behind Enemy Lines. And Web Slinger and, um, Web Slinger and Farbridge came back to run really nice races in the Saratoga Saratoga Derby last weekend. Web Slinger just missing to Howard's play program trading in that race, who ran a massive race, third time, uh, third time asking. So uh, Farbridge, I think, just didn't like the yielding turf course that day. At least that's the way it looked to me. He's still realistically a monster and definitely will be bet next time out as well. But uh, more than looks definitely has the opportunity to continue to improve off that last race. He did get a good setup that last one, but I don't necessarily necessarily think he needs a hot pace to be able to close. I just think Carl Spackler is going to be tactical and especially more now that he draws more way more inside than what he was last weekend as he was the 10 post last weekend. But I just think that American turf was an extremely tough race. If he can run anywhere near back to those races in Florida, maybe even improve off of them. I think he could be really tough in the spot, especially the way that he's been working. And he worked one, uh, a drill two days ago on Sunday after they canceled the race. And he worked in 49 and two over the uh, Oklahoma turf course. So this horse is still in lightning form and definitely could be tough come Sunday. But Charlie, you and I have the same horse in third. It's um, the Chad Brown second time starter. Manny Franco picks up the mount now. I read, since I read is out for Friday, uh, just has a, a massive room to improve, like we talked about last week. Yeah, and this was a horse where I didn't end up seeing where the betting finished, but when I'd initially looked, because before obviously the races got canceled and scratched off, I was looking to play this horse potentially under more than uh, more than looks and uh, Carl Spackler. And I'd seen this horse initially, it was like 10, 12 to one and got bet down to five to one, at least earlier on. So it looked like the horse was taking some money. Uh, not too surprised, obviously, with it being a Chad Brown horse that's worked decently. And again, second time out has every right to step forward. Ran a very solid race off of uh, on debut, you know, sitting pretty far off the pace and then was able to close in and get the job done. I think this horse would need to sit more of a stalking trip to truly have a chance to win, but still should be in the money. 
the only concern I have, but again, I think I like this horse underneath as a price is I feel like if the horse wants to go more towards the front, there's other horses that are faster. And if the horse wants to sit back, I don't think anybody's going to be able to close like more than looks. But I feel like if this horse can sit the right stalking trip, can certainly finish in the money at a solid price. Yeah. It, I mean, granted, this is a big ask for a horse like this, although he ran a massive race last time at Belmont, stretching out for the first time, two turns for the first time. Um, a many, many question marks for this horse, but with the amount of upside this horse most likely has, sold for twenty six or 600000 in 2021. This horse is extremely well meant for Peter Brandt and definitely could show a lot of improvement off that massive main race. No, I'll let you go last here. You have the number five appraised the, the other other Chad in this spot, although Flavian picks up the mountain now. If he improves off that allowance race, he's definitely there as well. Yeah, in my in my third spot in last week's show, I originally had Nagarok, and yep. Nagarok's not in the race anymore. Um, so I figured I'd go with the price. I didn't quite get to see what his odds were uh, when they ended up canceling those last four races. Um, but like you said, ran a nice 86 off that long layoff. Um, Chad uh, thought pretty well of this horse last summer. Um, and like you said, with program trading, these uh, I'm pretty sure these are the exact connections that, that threw program trading this into the correct. grade one after uh, an allowance optional claiming. And we saw that they were successful at uh, that time. Um, so at a price, I, I don't really see why this horse can't improve. Yeah, I mean, definitely can. And um, there's a lot of talk about the weather in chat, how it's most likely not going to be good for Friday. If that is the case, like I said, you'll see all our picks on Twitter. But um, this race will most likely stay on the turf, although after everything that's been happening, I'm not sure that will be the case. But um, this is definitely one to keep in mind the day of and see where the weather is. But like I said, this is exactly the same, almost exactly the same race it was, as it was last week. Keep an eye on who's going to be bet. More than looks was the favorite, followed by Carl Spackler and a few others. But um, that I think that's definitely a big thing to keep in mind is how they were bet last week, and it most likely will mirror exactly how they're bet this week and considering Nagarok was scratched anyway early from last week's race. I'm going 2-1-7. Charlie's going 1-2-7, and Noah's going 2 one five guys switching over the pps right now as race number nine is um the why is it not showing up the evan shipman handicap going uh for new york breads going one mile on the dirt it is a field of eight in this spot with the most likely morning line favorite is the returning american revolution for louis Saez and todd pletcher and guys we're gonna play the game that everyone loves we haven't played the game in a little while I want to see how many people you think, how many people on this panel you think went with American Revolution in this spot. Is it one, two, or three? Again, I I will give you that one person did go with, um, one person did go with American Revolution. But how many do you think went with American Revolution in this spot? I'll give the chat a few minutes, a few seconds to um, to rattle off some numbers here, and then we'll get into it. Howard says two. Jim says two. Richard says one. And we're going to continue to flow in here, but I will let you guys know. Like I said, at least one has it, but two people went with American Revolution in this spot. Both Charlie and Noah going with the returning five year old. I went a different way. I went with Bankets number five for Rosario, the, the old grandpa, the seven year old for Rosario and Asmussen. But I'll let you guys go first. 
Charlie, um, you went first last time, I believe. So, Noah, I'll let you go first. What did you like most about American Revolution? Well, this horse has been competing with Olympiad and Proxy. So, simply put, he was running with some of the best horses in the country last year. Um, even though the mile might be a little too short for him, he did run a 105 and win the Cigar Mile. Um, I'll let Charlie touch on it. Uh, in my opinion, I just it was pretty impossible to really knock this horse. Yeah, I mean, he, you're not going to get a good price, which is one thing that concerned me with American Revolution, especially off the type of layoff that he's on. But, I mean, just the class, the horses he's running against, Charlie, the, I mean, he's going to have to run basically, you know, a B-plus effort off the layoff to be um, to be pretty good in this field. Yeah, I mean, the figures, the consistency that you can clearly see, uh, this horse is just, in my eyes, levels above everyone else. Uh, and it's not that the other horses are bad by any means. I mean, you still see solid figures in races. But just like Noah touched on, I mean, this horse has been running against the best of the best. Uh, from the workouts perspective, it doesn't look like the horse is having any sort of issues about getting in shape or being informed from where the horse left off. Uh, I just think American Revolution towers over this field. Luis Saez uh, will have this horse going well for Todd Pletcher. And again, can really put this horse anywhere. And we always talk about versatility. I just love that this horse is so much early and late speed that I don't think the distance will really be a problem. I think this horse is naturally, without even having to work hard fast enough, that American Revolution will be able to sit right on the lead or, or just off and has enough kick late on to go right by these horses. The distance, as again, no touchdown doesn't worry me because the one time this horse ran a mile, uh, looked all the good, ran a 105, which is more than good enough to win this field. Uh, and again, for me, this is one of those races where I'm looking for other horses to find to put underneath rather than trying to figure out who to win because I think it's clearly American Revolution. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's a few things that concern with American Revolution, and um, I understand all the good things about him. He will most likely be even money or under. Well, he will be even money or under. The last time he came off a layoff like this, he did regress to a 94. Granted, it was against Dynamic 1, Proxy, and Scalding. I understand the type of horses he was facing might not be what he's facing in here. I don't like the rail necessarily for a horse like American revolution. I think he could get stopped somewhere in like fifth position, somewhere like that off the layoff. The works are great. He's Fletcher has him in form, but at four to five off of a, I mean, off of a 10 month, almost actually 11 month layoff, I'd be willing to look somewhere else. And that's where I landed. I landed on Bankit for Winchell Rosario and Asmussen ran a great, in the great race in the commentator at Belmont above Olympic dreams and Sheriff Bianco is also in this spot. I just, I like the post better. I like, and if he can run anywhere near that mid nineties, um, what American revolution showed that he regressed to before, I think he could be definitely competitive. I know Howard's going to say uh, the fact of, you know, he's seven years old. He can't be, you know, he can't keep up. He's ran two eighties. I understand that. I'm just finding, trying to find value in a race where, uh, there's going to be a big favorite coming off a long layoff with some question marks. The figures definitely fit and definitely are way above everyone else for American Revolution, but I'm willing to take a risk and go with the number five, Bankett, who looks to sit a really nice stalking trip to American Revolution's outside, and if he keeps American Revolution boxed in just that long, gets a little bit of the first jump, I think Bankett has a very strong chance in this race as long as he can keep up that mid-90s figure. Um. I know you both have Bankett in second, but I'll let you touch on your third place horses who Charlie and I have the same horse in third, that being Sheriff Bianco for Rice and Lascano. 
and then anything you want to touch on with bank it and then we'll move on charlie oh sorry yeah I lagged for a second um yeah no so i mean as you touched on with bank it uh, looks very talented still. The figures, you know, taking that step forward back to a 94 after. Not that an 86 is bad, but certainly for a field like this, not going to cut it. So nice to see the horse bounce back. And, yeah, kind of like what you touched on, I think the horse has nice amount of early speed where Bankett can kind of sit a similar trip to American Revolution and still, you know, be within striking distance uh, and still shows that strong enough late kick. Um, and then with the seven that we both touched on with, uh, I think, is that Sheriff Bianco? Yep. Uh, another one, again, with uh, probably the most early speed out of the three horses. Uh, so definitely the one that will have the first crack at it. Maybe he'll be on the leader just off. Uh, I know Linda Rice has gone kind of cold, but was hot and still can bounce back. Uh, and uh, Liz Cano, uh, he had been running really well. And I saw at least the days that I was at Saratoga, I saw him win two races and three races. So he's been in his best form to date, which is nice to see, obviously, as well. Um and so, yeah, those were the only other ones that I really thought could, you know, hang around there. I think it's, again, going to be one of those where we've kind of covered before races where the heavy favorite, overwhelming one that's supposed to win, if they don't get that right trip, can still lose. So that is something to be wary of. Uh, but I think we've seen because I think these are ones that will probably sit similar trips to American Revolution. And it's just going to come down to does American Revolution get that clean enough trip to go by all of them and win? Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I just like that Bankett's going to be a little more outside of American Revolution who drew the rail. And if he's on his outside, on his flank, and if he starts to go, American Revolution's going to have to wait. Maybe he's just he could just easily be better, which shows based on the form. But if he has to wait a little bit and isn't completely ready off the layoff, that was kind of my angle to grab a little bit of value in this race. Um, shout, out, shout out to Tanner Hawkins, who's in the chat. I haven't seen you in a while, man. Thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Noah, you have the last say here. Like I said, you could touch on anyone that was talked about. Dr. Ardito for Chad Brown, Manny Franco. I mean, this horse was a mate was a great last year and at the beginning of this year, won seven in a row in both allowance, optional claiming, and listed stake company. Hasn't been too hasn't run his race in the past two, although still in the low nineties for figures. Yeah, Dr. Ardito is obviously a, a really talented horse. I mean, he won seven in a row at one point. Um, but I want to touch on Bankit um, because I put him ahead of uh, Dr. Ardito, and you'll see that um, in my best bets later. Um, my thinking with Dr. Ardito is he's talented. Uh, I kind of hope he'll be the second choice so I get a little bit of value, but I think Dr. Ardito is just one of those horses that just really likes aqueduct. Like He just really likes that one surface, that one track. Um, it, it definitely could be, as we like to say, stinking thinking, but I'm just trying to find a little bit of value in this race where there's a pretty logical favorite. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, Dr. Adito was very good last year. Just never really seemed to go above that mid-90s, 95, mid 96, 95 buyer. Kind of plateaued off and just didn't hasn't had enough these past two starts. Hopefully getting back to uh, New York Company, he has a little bit bigger of a run and shows a little bit more tactical speed, which is where I think he's best. But I was I was looking other places to kind of get a little bit more value, as you know, that these – Chad's, especially with all the ones on the page, will take a little bit of money. One thing to go on, and then we'll move on from this race. Uh, Howard points out this is a very simple uh, race from a tick construction standpoint. It's either you single American Revolution or you toss and spread with everybody, with not necessarily with everybody else, but spread throughout the field. So, because if he's going to be four to five off of layoff, you either love him or you really, or you have a lot of question marks like I do. So you'll either single him or toss him and spread. And 
it's just like I said, it's just kind of it's you can go many different ways in this spot with American Revolution, but really it comes down to one or two different outcomes. But Howard also says that the outer posts coming out of the shoot have not been the place to be. We were right there. If you saw any of those videos that I posted on Twitter, we were literally able to stand on the rail of the Wilson shoot. And they were, I mean, probably seven steps from us was the starting gate. It was absolutely unbelievable. The facilities at Saratoga are just, yeah, like I said, unbelievable. Like, you know, you're kind of at a loss for words for something like that. It's a different experience to anything else I've ever experienced, but I'm not sure about other tracks because I know I've, I've only been to probably, I think that was my seventh track I've been to. So I'm getting up there now, but um, got to get a few more in there as well. Got to get a few more travels, but we're moving on to race number 10 here. Uh, it's it's an optional, uh, it's a claiming race, 35,000 non-winners of two lifetime going five and a half on the turf as I switch over the Equibase right now, which has a full field of 10 with two also eligibles. The morning line favorite most likely will be uh, probably Saratoga Gaze on the outside for Pratt and Mark Hennig would be my guess. And I switch over to my picks, our picks right now. I am going with the number 10 out on the outside horse for uh, Hennig. Two, and both Charlie and Noah are going with the number five. Michelle M for Rosario and Christoph Clement. Charlie, you're time to go first, my friend. As I switch over to the PPs, what would you like most about Michelle M? Yeah, so my angle with Michelle M, honestly, is just when this horse was running more of the shorter – I mean, I guess the horse doesn't have a lot of racing. But when this horse ran the one shorter race on turf, ran a not, – not that it's some crazy figure, but for this field, ran a 75, which is very respectable. And honestly, running back to that effort would be strong enough uh, for this horse to win, in my opinion. Uh, the horse has been working very sharply with a 35-4 and four and a 48-2, and two, so certainly looks to be in shape and ready to go to bounce back. Uh, I think they just tried something different with the horse again. Second race off the layoff, decided to try to extend the horse to a mile uh, and a 16th on the turf. Did, the horse just did not like it. Faded. The distance was just not meant to be. Uh, I think uh, Christoph Clement is a very uh, underrated trainer. Uh, and I think, you know, I think he has Michelle. I'm ready to go again. I, I like the cutback. Uh, I know Noah also has Michelle. I'm on top. So I'm curious if he had the same kind of thought. Uh, but so, yeah, that was my sort of angle. Getting this horse back to a more reasonable distance has a good mix of early and late speed where this horse can kind of sit that stalking trip that I prefer a horse to sit. Uh, if this horse runs back towards that 75 figure, I think that's good enough to win this race. I mean, I agree. Noah, you also have this horse on top. Do you want to uh, piggyback anything that Charlie just said? Yeah, I had similar thinking with Michelle M. Uh, in, that, in that race two back, it was a pretty tough field. Both the second and third place finishers came back to win. Uh, that was also her first start in six months, so give her a little bit of credit there. Uh, and like Charlie said, I think you can kind of scratch that last race. I don't think she really wants any part of two turns. And uh, she's shown her late kick before, and I think she'll get a pretty honest pace in this race. Yeah, I, the, there's just one thing. I mean, the late kick that was shown was on uh, synthetic at Presque Isle. Went to Woodbine, really did no running at all. Um, in the last two, one at Belmont, one at Delaware, both really not much running at all. This race is at five and a half, putting her back sprinting. But um, I passed her uh, for Michelle M. Granted, that best figure was at was sprinting at six furlongs. Goes to the soft at Delaware, runs a dud. Now comes back with blinkers on. It almost seems like Kristoff's trying to find something to get this filly good to go. And I think the blinkers could be what's needed. 
And anywhere near that 75, I would agree with you, Charlie, should be good enough in this field as there's a lot of uh, different horses that don't necessarily have high enough figures to get up there. I went with the number 10 in this race, Saratoga Gaze for Mark Hennig, Flavian Pratt. Those last two starts were what good enough for me to key on, especially the last start uh, at, Sar- at Saratoga early enough, earlier in the meet where it ran, about, ran behind Lina Wright, who's actually my second choice. But this horse has speed from the outside, has plenty of opportunity to be tactical, does her best running on the lead, but if she's able to just sit just off, she also does very good running there. I think she has a big chance if she can clear from the outside, although the post is definitely not uh, kind in this type of spot. I'm sure that's what everyone else saw. But, Charlie, I'll let you touch on Lina Wright as you have her in second as well, and then you could touch on anything I didn't touch on with Saratoga Gaze. Yeah, so Lina Wright ran a very close and competitive effort with Saratoga Gaze. Uh, was way off the pace and was able to close in very nicely. Uh, that was kind of my angle was I feel like there is, as uh, Noah kind of touched on earlier, that there will be an honest space in this race. There's enough early speed. Uh, I do think Lionel Wright can close in there. My only worry is I just don't know because of the lack of early speed if the horse can get there in time. That's kind of what my angle was with putting the five on top ultimately. And then going with the 10 who's more of like a speed or at least or pressing horse. So kind of going with a different horse of each type. And for me, I think in these races, stalkers are the easiest to trust because again, with the a speed horse, you got to hope they don't run out of gas in a closer. When it's this short, you got to hope there's enough time. But I still think Lonra, you should get decent value on. Uh, not, nothing crazy based off of the fact that it ran close against who you mentioned, who I agree will probably be the opening favorite of Saratoga Gaze. Uh, but I think this horse can certainly be in around there and can win for sure with a step forward. Uh, just comes down to can the horse be close enough to win. And then my only worry with Saratoga Gaze, honestly, and why I put the horse third is I just feel like the horse got the perfect trip last time out, was able to get to the lead where the horse wants to be. And then didn't like fade badly by him. He's only lost by a length and a half, but still just didn't get the job done. The outside post worries me as well. And it just kind of makes me feel like the figures certainly match, but if the horse is getting the kind of race and even has gotten some cold faces and couldn't get the job done, I just feel like this might be one of those horses that loves to get to where it wants to be and then finish in the money, but doesn't win. So ultimately I just look for two more values that I think could get the job done. It's just completely fair. I just think this horse is much better at the claiming level and another start where she led by two and a half last time out and was just end up being caught. I think maybe Flavian Pratt's learning on where she likes to push the button. And if she can get in a good trip from that outside gate, I think she has enough punch to be able to improve a little bit and get the win as you're not, you're not needing a much improvement to beat this type of field. But no, while you have, um, the number one in third, which is the last horse we'll talk about, Magniloquent for Ward and Ward, who surprisingly, the I man below me does not have this horse anywhere, which might be the Tyler, biggest. Wow. I know, which I, which might be the biggest surprise of Benton and Boozen ever, in my opinion. But Noah, what do you like about Mag- Magniloquent? I kind of threw uh, this horse in just to kind of talk some people off of her. Um Obviously, you, you have to respect Wesley Ward and, and Tyler Gaffione and any horse that they, they run on turf. Uh, but to me, there are several concerns. She's been speed and fade in the last four starts. Some of them at pretty short odds. Just to go the extra half furlong. There's other speed in the race, like you guys mentioned. Uh, going down the line, the two's got a 97 early time form. Uh, the six just ran a 21 and three, going six furlongs. Uh, the seven's got a 101 early time form. And then I think the ten's going to be pretty pretty right up there, too. Um, so I, maybe she can wire this field, but there's just so many questions that she's hard to bet. 
Yeah, and the big questions for me come on the grass. This horse is she's really run nothing of substantial substantiality at all. Those those two at go at Goldstream main optional claimings have been were decent, but um, last year at Saratoga she ran an absolute dud in the same exact uh, same exact race, same exact conditions. Goes to Gulfstream and Woodbine and Sapita. Runs actually really decent races. Now comes back to the turf where she really hasn't done her best running. So, and I really don't like the draw from the rail where she only has to send, although good enough that that's exactly what she loves to do. If she can clear, she's got a chance for me. But I think with the um, horses on the outside, definitely have something to say about that. I'm going 10 9 5. Charlie's going 5, 9, 10, and Noah's going 5, 10, 1. Guys, switching over to the last race of this sequence. It is the same exact conditions, claiming 35,000 non-winners of two lifetime, but now going a mile and a 16th on the inner turf course. I'm switching over to the Equibase right now. Draws a field of nine with one MTO on the outside. Yogi, um, the morning line favorite, I would assume would either be the number eight Swedish princess or the number nine miscreant. The number seven red hot chicks, definitely one that could be in that conversation as well. Although the figures look a little bit light on her, although I'm going with the number seven in this race. Although the two other guys on this panel are going with the number eight Swedish princess for Castellano and George Weaver, Charlie, I believe did I let you go first last time, or did Noah go first last time? I can never keep track anymore. Too many uh, people. I, I think it was me. All right. Well, Noah, then you are up, my friend. What did you like most about the number eight, Sweetest Princess? Yeah, it was Sweetest, Prince, uh, sweetest Princess. Um, when I'm handicapping a race, a lot of times I like to look at intention. Uh, but George Weaver uh, started this filly out on the grass. Um it wasn't very successful, switched to the dirt, and then broke the maiden. But when she got back to the grass, she ran back-to-back buyer tops. Uh, and that last race, I probably would have expected an improvement last time with those back-to-back buyer tops. Uh, but maybe that field was just a little too tough for her. Uh, the concern is she's 0 for 6 on the grass. Uh, but this is who I'm going to go with in a very wide open race, in my opinion. This race is definitely wide open. And, Charlie, I'll let you touch on anything Noah missed. Sweetest Princess... Granted, she hasn't had a win. Her only win has actually come on the dirt, but the highest, her highest figures have come on the turf. Is it kind of just maybe about having this filly kind of find her feet, per se, or um, maybe dropping her down will be the answer here? I just think it was too tough of a race. I mean, trying to run in a $95,000 allowance race is a big ask for this horse. I mean, for me, the one positive I do see is maybe the angle was, again, is uh, Noah had mentioned running two career figures in a row, maybe George Weaver, because he is one of the best in the business and has been on fire this year. Maybe his angle was just, look, the horse is seeming to take those steps forward now that I have uh, now that I have her back on the turf. Let's try to take this step forward and see how she does. Uh, but you can see it was completely dead on the board at 17 to 1. Uh, also says that the horse clipped, got clipped behind, so maybe not the easiest trip as well. I do think this is a wide open field, but I also, again, I like the angle that this horse has probably been running in tougher competition than just about anyone and has put up solid figures since switching back to the turf if you put a line through the last effort. Uh, I don't think the distance will be a problem. I like that the horse, from a figures perspective, also looks strong with the 88 and 85 uh, for pace. So the horse's versatility, I think this horse can, you know, kind of sit a nice stalking trip or even press the leaders and get by. I like Javier Castellano getting back on the horse. 
Um, and again, I just think the major class relief should really help this horse out. And I think Swedish Princess, rightfully so, should be the horse to beat. I mean, that's definitely the most the obvious angle, right? So that's that was my thinking and why this horse would most likely be morning line favorite with the figures that is that she's run in allowance company and now coming all the way down to thirty five thousand, which not necessarily a suspect drop in my opinion, just kind of George Weaver's kind of found this condition to be right for her and just trying to get her where she belongs to get a win. Um, Noah, I'll kind of let you touch on that as well um, a little bit more and then move on to your other two as they are completely different to who we have underneath. But just kind of a suspect drop to you or is it kind of just where you, where George Weaver thinks she'll be able to win? Um, you know, I, I think this is just where she has the chance to win. Um, with the fact that Saratoga, their purses are so big, I, I don't pay yep. too much attention. Um, I just think these horses don't really mind. They're just they're just trying to put their best foot forward with their horses. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You get that type of stuff where these purses, I mean, it's a $35,000 uh, claiming race, but the purse is still $50,000. So Noah's point's completely taken where a lot of these horses just, uh, a lot of these trainers want to drop their horses where they can win as it doesn't matter where they put them. The money is always good. I went with the number seven red hot chick on top for maker and Pratt. Uh, her, I know her figures look a lot, look really light, but maker has, has had her in maiden special weight company ran two pretty decent races in state bread company. And now goes and then goes to maiden 40 wins with Carmouche up and then maker after that race tries her out at allowance and at allowance N1X company runs an okay race completely dead on the board and just never really gets a rally going. Now maker drops her to where she's probably fit to win a race. And if she improves off of that last race into the low seventies, I think it's definitely enough to win a race like this. And Charlie has her in third. So I'm sure he kind of saw it the same way. So Charlie, I'll let you touch on Red Hot Chick, and you're on and the number five in Ani Wow, Annihilate would be my guess. Annihilate maybe, but what'd you like most about Red Hot Chick? Yeah, no, just the same thing you said. Again, the figures are respectable. I like again with the uh, time form pace as well with the seventy and seventy nine shows. Again, the horse has decent figures compared to the rest of this field and can be one that can again just kind of sit in the middle. Uh, also, again, something we've kind of touched about with some of these weaker horses is the ability to pass. Uh, and Red Hot Chick is another one that at least has shown the ability to be able to pass, um, which, again, in these kind of races is an underrated ability because some really do kind of just get stuck in wherever they are. And, again, I think kind of just a similar issue um, to Sweetest Princess where they just, you know, had a lot of confidence after a, as, after a career best figure to move the horse all the way up to 80,000 allowance, and it was just too big of an ask. And as you mentioned, again, another one that was just dead on the board, another angle where I think trying to put the horse in a much easier spot where it, the horse is a realistic win contender. Unfortunately, since multiple trainers kind of had that same thought process, some of them are going to be disappointed that it doesn't work out. But again, that's another reason why I think Red Hot Chick is live too. Uh, and another one that will probably be arguably favoritism uh, is kind of put in a similar spot. And then, yeah, moving on to, um, I don't know, I thought it was Annihilate, but now with the way it's spelled, maybe it isn't. Um, but yeah, my angle was, again, another one with very solid figures. I know the horse has dealt with some cold paces, which has kind of been to the horse's benefit as this horse, uh, as uh, she prefers to sit a little off the pace. Uh, but um, I honestly, the horse runs best when there is hot pace. And I don't know if the horse will get that, uh, but the figures fit. The workouts have been very impressive with the minute three 
and a 48 and four. So again, for this field, there is no clear cut contender. It's a wide open race. It's really just any horse you can see confidence in. Uh, and again, three, four straight honestly, you could argue very solid figures with the 68, 66, 75, and 62. I think this is certainly a horse that can win in this race. I don't think it'll be too much of an ask at all. Uh, and maybe even a little bit more of a value pick if you're looking for a better price. Definitely could be my only thing. I know you don't, I know I don't usually like to play with jockey gymnastics either, but Lascano takes off this horse for Ferraro, who hasn't won at the meet and only went 70% on his races in 2023. Picks up Ruben Silvera, who hasn't raced, who hasn't raced a race at uh, Saratoga this year. So there's many ways to go, uh, many question marks in that regard, but anywhere near that 75 and a lot and starter allowance company at Belmont would definitely be in the realm of possibility for this horse to win. But uh, Noah, I'll let you touch on, cause you actually have two horses that uh, neither of us have, and then I'll get to mine and then we'll move on to our best bets really quick. The number three ghostly girl for Kenny McPeak after a really nice race at Ellis last time out. And then the number one smoking hot kitty for Horacio De Paz and Manny Franco. Yeah, this is uh, Ghostly Girls. Uh, it's only our first, uh, or sorry, your second start on the grass. Um, but I tend to like horses doing anything for the second time. Granted that that Ellis turf was a lot different than the Saratoga turf nowadays. Um, with this field, I just feel like a lot of these horses don't do a lot for me. Uh, so I figured I'd just take a fresh face. Yep. Uh, interestingly enough, the three-hole routing on the inner turf is 7 for 33, which is the best out of any post uh, on the inner turf. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then with the one smoking hot kitty, a uh, horse that's got a pretty strong late kick. I think coming out of those two sprint races, uh, she'll be a little more forwardly placed because I don't think there's a ton of speed in here. Uh, but then again, yeah, I don't I don't know if the, that pace is really going to set up for her, but she can maybe clunk up for third. That, I mean, that was my angle with this horse. Is she's got a, plenty of paces to run into and just hasn't really been able to get there, it's even at this level and below it, although those were sprinting. Uh, back in Aqueduct, she, she doesn't really uh, – back Aqueduct last year, she ran a good race routing, but never really has had that kick to be able to get home while going long. So that was my angle with the one. I went completely different ways than both of these guys did underneath. I went with the number six, Lady Firefoot, in second for Patrick Reynolds and Kendrick Carmouche. That maiden 40 at Aqueduct last year really fit this horse. Um, and really fits this field. If he can, if she can come back off the layoff in any regard, close to that 72 on the turf with that same type of trip, I think she really has a shot and seems to be working well for Patrick Reynolds, who's winning two for seven on this meet at Saratoga. And then to the outside, I went with uh, Swedish Princess. The one horse I wanted to talk about was Miscreant uh, for Philip Serpi and uh, Jose Lascano. Lascano's been riding absolutely lights out. I believe while we were there, I think he won six or seven races um, in two days, two or three days. So Lascano's got what it takes right now to win. this. These races at Goldstream definitely fit, especially these last two, one on the synthetic, one on the turf. If Miss Crean can continue to show this form on the synthetic and doesn't necessarily need a monster pace to close into, Miscreant's also a little bit interesting, although I think the pace doesn't necessarily set up for her. I'm going seven six eight. Charlie's going eight five seven, and Noah's going eight three one. And shout out to Rob M, who also likes Lady Firefoot, and that's why we will show them wrong, Rob. Why we are exactly correct with Lady Firefoot. But guys, moving on to our best bets of the weekend as we close out the show here. 
I thought this was really funny. No one knows this because I talked to him before the show. Charlie has no idea about this, but there's one best bet that we basically all have. And they, they, the way this works is they all send them to me. They have no idea of my picks or uh, if Charlie doesn't know Noah's picks or my picks or anything like that before they send them to me. And we were pretty much exactly the same on one of the best bets of the two. So, Charlie, I'll let you get to it. Your best bets are race number seven, a double, singling the number 10, which is the Chad first-time starter in the two-year-old race with more than looks and Carl Spackler and a heavy pick three, including those two with the one and then taking the double from that in race eight, going one-two with one. Charlie, talk about your ticking construction and best bets. Yeah, so I wanted to really put my focus on the races we were covering. As we all kind of mentioned, these last two races are certainly the races, in my opinion, you don't want to bet in your horizontals. They're more verticals because you're going to get a bunch of prices. So I figured, as you've kind of talked on a lot, it's very good to stand on the bets you feel strong about. Uh, as Howard mentioned earlier, if you're going to do any sort of horizontal bets and you believe uh, in the one horse, uh, American Revolution, um, you kind of have to just single that horse. That was my angle, my pick three. That I feel strong about. Again, I mentioned with the 10 Vetriano, I believe, uh, looks very strong with the workouts, very expensive horse, good connections. Again, I believe is in a spot that was pointed to uh, and should win going away. And then as much as I like more than looks, I still think Carl Spackler's a very talented horse. So I didn't want to risk not having Carl Spackler on any of my tickets. For me, it's a two-horse race between those two, and then you're just looking for other prices. Uh, so that's kind of how I constructed my doubles and then my uh, pick three that I'm encouraging to bet heavy on because I believe – I mean, if you're going one, two, one, it's a pretty cheap ticket. So for me, I'd put like 10 bucks. I believe it's like a $2 ticket. So I yep. do around $10. So based off of my typical budget for those kind of tickets. Yeah. I mean, look, especially if you can get even if favorites come home, if you press it up to 10 to 20 bucks, you'll get a pretty decent payout, hopefully in the realm of four five, six to one. So Charlie can good luck with your best bets on the weekend. And this should uh, enclose what best bet we are all thinking for this Friday at Saratoga. Noah's best bets, race number seven, going 6-10 with two. So going the Pletcher first-time starter with the Brown first-time starter and then singling Carl Spackler and then a straight exacta in race number nine, one over five. Noah, talk about your best bets. Yeah, race seven. Uh, it's pretty crazy that we all that we all were pretty similar. <laughs> Either we're, we're going to be all right or we're going to be all wrong. So. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but in race seven, um, using those two firsters for Pletcher and Brown, the six uh, trust fund uh, and the 10 Vetriano, although I put trust fund uh, over Vetriano, I think it's probably either one of those two. Um, and then I did the double with Carl Spackler, who was my topic last week and this week. Um, and then going to race nine, uh, that is the race with uh, American Revolution, who's probably going to be a pretty heavy favorite. Uh, and then I think, I think I'm going to try and do a straight exact of one five with Bankit. I know Kyle's a big fan of that horse, so that gives me a little bit of confidence. And I'm thinking that, uh, you know, Dr. Ardito might take some money, um, maybe some stinking thinking, like I said. But then again, I'm just trying to find some value. So those are my two plays. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, as you said, I like Bankit a lot. So and if American Revolution turns out to be the goods, just like he was last year, one five is definitely a possibility so noah good luck with your best bets and again i will go with the exact same double in race number seven as one of my best bets six ten over two and race number nine a win on the number five bank it guys we've all talked about i mean all my my best bets have been talked about already you know people are stealing my thunder but 
I think the play, uh, I go ahead and look at the board in the in the first time starter race. That gives you a big inc- inclination on where, obviously, the money is going, but where the talk is, where the buzz is on these horses. Um, I think the most likely winners are both the six and ten, and then singling Carl Spackler, who I am still really high on, even though more than looks will most likely be the favorite in that race, and then to beat um, American Revolution, most likely at even money or below. I'm going for a win on the number five banquet who can hopefully run a good race off of his last and get up to win over a long rested American revolution. But guys, I want to give a quick shout out here. Richard Avalar says, heard your horse shards came in second. Congratulations. I agree with Howard Richard where little disappointing. We really wanted to see him win, especially since his last race came up so live. He ended up going off at four to five in that race. And unfortunately, just lost by, I believe, about three quarters to a, a, a length. So he definitely is talented, has a bright future. But um, we will, we are very hope, we are very hopeful on him to see him get a win out at Colonial. But guys, that is going to be it for us for episode number thirty-four of Betting and Booze. And thanks so much to everybody in the chat. We've had great viewers, have been great comments the entire night. Um, the uh, for everyone out there, good luck on your bets on Friday and to, for my co-host Charlie Freeman, Noah Maher, and of course, bet and booze and host Kyle Roscoe. Good luck on Friday at Saratoga and crush those bets. Good night, everyone. Have a, have a great night.